Clubhouse. Do you know how lucky we are to have found each other? Seriously, you're a unicorn. Most women, when I tell them I don't want to get married again, they get so upset. But you're over it. No rings, no strings. Next time, we don't even have to get dinner, <laughs> buddy. I want dinner, Vince. Welcome to Heller Good, the Younger Podcast. I'm Sheila McGann. And I'm Emma Good. Tonight we're discussing Season 7, Episode 5 of Younger. This episode is titled The Last Unicorn. The writer for this episode is Grant Sloss, and it's directed by Jennifer Arnold. So both of these talents have previous work on the show. So I'm excited to see where Jennifer Arnold takes us, because I think she's directing the next four episodes. This through, I think, episode eight, maybe eight or nine. I'm not sure. So it'll be exciting just to see a different take on on the, the episode so far. Yeah, it'll be good to see because we have the same director for the first four. And Grant Sloss has been a writer before as well. But before we get started, you should definitely check out the Spotify playlist that we've created, the Heller Good Younger playlist by Pod Clubhouse. A little bit of mood music to help you long as you wait the days in between the new episodes. So before we get started on this episode, Sheila, I did actually find something out about Kai, the hot Aussie surfer, and why he may have come from Tangabangala. So I was reading an article in The Age, which is one of the big newspapers in Melbourne, that it seems that one of the writers of the show is Australian and is also from Tangabangala. Oh, that makes a lot of sense now because... You said, like, this town is tiny, like 400 people. So, like, there would have to be a really good reason for that one to be picked out of all the hundreds of little little Aussie towns. Yeah, it was definitely one I'd never heard of before, even though I've driven quite near it before. So, <laughs> it was uh, interesting to learn why it was the place in all the places of Australia that we have crazy names for. They chose that one. Yeah, I mean, like, there's Wagga Wagga, there's... Wollongong, there's there's all these like cool sounding names, but Tangabangala definitely right now is taking the cake for me. <laughs> yeah. So we get should we get started on this episode now? Yes, this was a very busy episode. There was a lot going on here. Yeah, there was a lot between Charles and Liza. Well, they didn't maybe interact so much directly themselves, but there was a lot about them in this episode, I felt. What was a highlight for you this episode though? Ooh, I think there was two highlights. The first one was definitely the sachet to the office in her fancy dress outfit where Liza goes straight past Charles while she's wearing the outfit. And then the other one was when she was dancing at the anniversary party because we always say she looks amazing whenever she's dancing or singing on the show. Oh, yeah, anytime. So the highlight for me, I actually had two as well. Um, One, when Josh in the very, very beginning tells Lauren to use her words as she's reading the thing on her phone and she's fleeing the apartment. I have a kid, so use your words comes out a lot in my house. So uh, I identified with that. But the, the the real highlight for me was there was this little Easter egg at the Roaring Twenties party. So the song that Sutton Foster 
is dancing to, that Liza is dancing to, is a song called Forget About the Boy. The, the title in and of itself, I think, is perfect for her at this moment in time. And is from one play called Thoroughly Modern Millie, which basically gave Sutton Foster her, her Broadway name. That's amazing. I had no idea about that. That's her singing. Those are her vocals. I did love the song. Like, I had no idea she was singing that song. But um, I did think the, the words of the song fitted the moment really well. I was listening to it. I was like, no, this can't be. Is this, is this her? Is this her? So, yeah, it's actually from the um, the original cast soundtrack of Thoroughly Modern Millie from like 2002, 2003, something like that. It's, it's, uh, it's going on a while. But, yeah, I was just like. That is a perfect little Easter egg. Thank you, younger team. I just say, I'm so glad you picked that up because I certainly didn't. I feel like if we didn't pick it up, it would definitely have been pointed out to us. <laughs> so, well, I mean, the other person we learned a little bit more about in this episode was Queen. We learned a bit more about her background, I felt, in this episode when she was on her date with Charles. You know, she sort of said that she when she was running for the Senate, that she didn't realise that she was alone until it all exploded and she was surrounded by employees and not friends and previously that had never bothered her. And now obviously she's developing this relationship with Charles, which means, well, seems to show that she wants to change. But I don't know, I still don't feel that she's being that genuine. I don't know if Quinn knows how to be genuine. I don't know if she's she's got that as part of her her makeup i think this was oh i'm gonna sound so cynical i think this was something that she knew that she could exploit in true like sociopath format you know to gain his trust to gain his sympathy there there is something to the fact that she did try to be friendly with kelsey and she did try to like bury the hatchet with liza so i'm seeing some normal people inroads into like her behavior but at the same time i i don't know which quinn we should be believing right now the one who threatened liza to basically get rid of her or the one who says that she wants to move on for the past and thanking liza for the notes in the book well i still don't think the liza that sorry the quinn that threatened liza has gone away because she's only nice or you only see her interact with liza in front of other people at least I'm pretty sure it was only in front of other people in this episode. So, oh, again, yeah. still sort of being on show, whereas when she threatened Liza, it was just the two of them alone. So I still don't feel that she's that genuine in her interactions with Liza. I'm unsure a bit more about Kelsey. I don't think she has this... I feel like she's got it in for Liza because she feels she's competing with Liza for Charles, even though she's the one with Charles at the moment. With Kelsey, maybe it is a bit more genuine because she's not really competing with Kelsey for anything. And they were almost business partners. But I think that's a really good observation that you made that Quinn is one way in private with Liza and a completely different person when she's on show, like you said. And I think that that's that's really something that we need to watch is like, I think the Quinn that Liza saw alone in her office got got, that got threatened is the real one is the cutthroat business person who wrote claw banged on the table last year. I hate that scene so much. And I think that that's what I keep coming back to. Like, that's who she really is. She's brash. She's she's a bully. 
And I think that that's on display when she was with Liza alone in the office. I think that's the true Quinn, despite all this sociopathic tendencies that she's trying to gloss over and be this like kinder, gentler, softer Quinn. She doesn't really seem to have a softer side, but she's trying to show she does. But it just doesn't come off genuine. Neither of us are fans of this character and she's really written to not have anyone as a fan of her. I'd be surprised if anyone really is a fan of hers to be honest the writers have written her in a pretty bitchy way it feels hard because you know i don't know that i like seeing a successful woman being shown as this bitchy just purely ambitious person i don't know that's just how they've written her it's hard to see her any other way you know it's interesting that you say that because There's so much that gets spoken about in terms of women in positions of power and not to go on like a feminist rant. Right. But I mean, you did touch on it. If she was a man, we wouldn't even be talking about how she's treating other people necessarily. We'd just be like, oh, that's just like, you know, he's just a big dick. And like, there's just, you know, why is he doing that? But for some reason with women, we end up dissecting it so much more because I think we... I don't know, do we expect more from women? I don't know. But there is this like ingrained, like competitive nature when we talk about women or this qualifying nature, right? That gets ended up, you know, being talked about. Um, you know, women have to have a certain image or they have to behave a certain way where, where men just kind of get, I don't know, like a free pass, it seems like. I'm not going to say a free pass. I'm not going to say that. That's That's harsh. But men get a gentler pass than women, I think. And it's also seen in this episode where we see at the end with the former campaign manager who comes in and tells Liza that, well, one of her problems with the um, campaign was that she wasn't relatable, that she was seen as, uh, I think it was cold, you know, she wasn't seen as compassionate, but also that she wasn't married and she didn't have children. And, you know, if she was married and had children or had a stepchild of some sort, then her approval rating would go higher. I mean, is this the reality of politics in the US or around the world generally? And now she's like maybe targeting Charles to be that person? Basically, like for me, it comes down to like, are you qualified? Are you going to make my kid's life better? Basically, is that what it comes down to? I mean, it's not so far-fetched that that would be a, a campaign sort of criticism of her. I think it's just gross that in 2021, we're still talking about the optics of women in politics and this very traditional view. You know, just current events notwithstanding, we still don't have a female president in the United States. Australia's gone very far and you guys have had your first, you know, female prime minister a couple of years ago. How'd she fare? She wasn't treated very well. So, you know, I wasn't in Australia at the time, but even in the UK, we saw what was happening. Um, the fact that it made international news, I think, showed that she wasn't treated quite well. Whereas, you know, you look at New Zealand, I think they're on their second female prime minister and uh, people love her. I even love her. Jacinda, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she like single-handedly defeated COVID in New Zealand. <laughs> Hey, we've almost defeated it here in Australia too. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think the the fact that New Zealand is so small and they were able to get a handle on it so soon. But uh, no, Australia is doing amazing. Like, if you guys just let me in, I promise I'll be good. I won't do anything <laughs> dumb. See, <you laughs> I've got like one. Me. I've got one vaccine. I know I should have been on a cruise ship in March of last year and been like in the South Pacific and have to dock in Australia. Oh. Or when you graduated from here, you should have tried to stay and get your passport then. 
Yeah. You know, what it could have Then you maybe wouldn't have met your husband and that could have been sad too. I just have some other husband. I have, I have like Kai Manning as my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. No offense. We both okay. love you, John. You're amazing. <laughs> Okay, so before my marriage dissolves 15 minutes into this recording, um, I just wanted to ask you something. There was this notion that the um, the assistant spilling the tea to Liza, the former assistant of Quinn's, this notion of a discount Kennedy to get her over the finish line, is that a reference that you got? I mean, obviously I've heard of the Kennedys and you know everyone knows JFK and I think there was a couple of brothers or cousins or something that were senators and things like that but it seems like the Bushes you know there's like the Kennedy political family the Bush political family that type of thing that's how I think of them so yeah so the there's John F. Kennedy he was president and then he had I think there was nine of them all together uh his brother Bobby was attorney general and senator presidential candidate his brother teddy was a presidential candidate he was a longtime senator he died a couple of years ago like the kennedys are given this like dynasty name and a political dynasty the bushes as well because, because there's a lot of them and they're all in politics and they've all done quite well but the discount kennedy notion is that the children and grandchildren of that generation of kennedys the john f kennedy generation tend to be fuck-ups a little bit <laughs> You know, not to say that they all are, but a lot of them get into trouble with drugs. They get into trouble with drinking. They get into trouble with womanizing and things like that. So, so they rather them live. Me. They live off the name rather than live up to the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like riding the coattails of like a couple of people who did a really, you know, did a lot of good things, or at least got themselves, you know, notoriety. But also just this notion of just getting someone who looks the part, right? So the Kennedys, they polish up well. You know, they can always have, you know, the the, the Cape Cod ritzy kind of a look to them so look and then just the the cutaway to charles at that moment with quinn and he's standing there in all his six foot fiveness and in his polished suit and just looking so so much like a snack you know that um that yeah this notion of a discount kennedy i was just like oh that's exactly what she's doing and you know you can see that charles fits that part he doesn't seem to have any scandals in his past that are particularly known you know he's not talked about in the gossip pages for bad behavior it's usually i think there was the famous picture of um, him in his sweatpants i think once that's probably the worst one that got out there (laughs) Uh, not so much uh, bad behavior though is just unlucky (laughs) um but yeah i can see why charles could be the perfect partner for someone that wants to go into politics i can't believe that charles is that unworldly that he can't see what's happening you know he's lived in new york his whole life he's been around these circles all his whole life i just don't think he's that naive i think the writers are playing him a bit naive but then also he's gone through some big upheavals in his life recently so maybe he's just not picking up the cues or just happy that someone's paying attention to him at the moment which is nice when you've gone through a heartbreak but i do feel like it's a bit soon to move on to something serious after you've just proposed marriage to someone. Like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I know. Everything happens at warp speed on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. So I think that's enough of Queen for this episode because I just cannot talk about her too much. <laughs> yes, please. Um, so let's move on to Charles and Liza. We didn't see them interact an awful lot in this episode, but we did see the twinned dates 
shall we say, where we mm-hmm. intersected between each of their dates, which um, ended quite differently for both of them. Um, <laughs> so should we, I don't know, do we want to talk about Charles's date first? Or? Yeah, because that ends up being with Quinn again. With Charles's date, he talked a little bit more about how he doesn't like surprises and he really values stability and he was basically saying why couldn't Liza understand that that's what I need in my life contrastly Liza's date she's talking about I'm finally feeling like life is surprising me and that's clearly what she wants in life at the moment and she's not ready to settle down and be someone's wife again and make her life revolve around them you know I guess that's how she's feeling if she ends up married to Charles which is how her previous marriage seemed to have gone. So you can understand that concern that Liza has. I mean, do you think it's a valid concern that she has? You know, it's actually really interesting that you brought that up sort of as the first part of talking about the two of them. That's actually the quote that we have at the top of the episode is, um, you know, I hate surprises. You know, we're lucky we found each other. And then like the no rings, no strings with Vince, like where that whole thing ends up and people being you know terrified of being alone. Because I just like that was a really, you know, poignant statement of like kind of like where they're at. But also at the same time, like I don't necessarily feel that Liza's position is necessarily fair because each person is different. Each partner is different and you're different with different partners, right? The way she was with her ex-husband, David, is not how she ever was with Josh. It's not how she was with Charles. Thinking that she's going to end up the same way is more of an indictment of her own personality than I think of anyone else's. Yeah. I think that she just feels when she's in that stance that she's, or in that that situation rather, that she feels trapped and she doesn't have a good role model to like model herself herself after right so like maggie's single her friends kelsey and lauren right now they're all single so she doesn't have like a good married role model let's put it that way i mean she does have her friends in new jersey but then i don't think she wants a life like them either the anniversary party she goes to uh, her friend does seem to do a lot with her husband like they always except for when they're at the book group together you always see her with a husband Frankly, her friends, like I, if her friends from New Jersey, I don't really like them. Like she feels very phony. She even said to Eliza when she showed up to the the Roaring Twenties twentieth anniversary party. That is not easy to say. Like I just thought you were just defrauding that company, and now it looks like you're embezzling too. Like, like I know you're trying to be funny, but that's not funny. Right, I'm going to digress for a second. I can totally understand why the Roaring Twenties were the Roaring Twenties. I like this as a party theme. The Twenties became so raucous because it was right after a plague. Does that sound familiar? They also had a war <laughs> as well. So they had two double whammies, but yes. Yeah. I do feel like we're going to have some sort of roaring 20s as well. I mean, we are also in the 20s. <laughs> we are in the 20s. There might be a burning of some yoga pants when this is all said and done and I could leave the house without fearing right. the air. Just don't burn them all because you'll still want Mm-mm. them at some point. <laughs> Mm-mm. Symbolic, symbolic. I'll symbolic. take the really old ones, yeah. But- <laughs> the ones with holes in them. <laughs> I'm wearing them right now, as a matter of fact. Not the ones that have holes in them. But but at this party, I do like that Liza ran into an old friend and they can see each other in this different light. I liked this attraction for them because there is this like comfort in, in knowing someone because it's a scary world out there. Like I'm married. I'm married like 18 years, 18, 19, 18 years. <laughs> oh my God. This is so embarrassing. I'm married 18 years. <laughs> um, we, we know each other 20 years. That's why I'm getting confused. I can't imagine like being out there right now in the dating world and trying to like vet people 
like when you get into your 30s and 40s, I'm sorry to say, but the baggage becomes more, right? Exactly. So I think that there's something safe about her meeting someone from her past who she's already like, quote unquote, like vetted. Like he's he's normal. He's not a serial killer. Like he's not going to like, you know, take her on a date and she's going to be in a panel van or something like that. Yeah, there, there is that. But then also if they've both had divorces, as we can see, that's sort of become a issue between Charles and her. I mean, my ex-boyfriend was separated not fully divorced I didn't realize how big of an issue that was until like a year into the relationship and they'd been separated for a year before we met like almost de facto divorce at that point yeah but they hadn't actually gone through the divorce and it was kind of one of the reasons why we broke up because he wasn't fully over that relationship and partly was because they hadn't resolved it all yet. So, yeah, when you're dating when you're older, is definitely harder. Yeah. Both of you come in with baggage. It's, it's not as easy. Part of the reason why Liza and Charles, you know, Liza paused was because, like, we've got children to talk to. Like, that's a thing, this chemistry between these two. But um, it goes so wrong. I know. So do you think it was kind of fair that he assumed she just wanted to be friends with benefits based on what she was saying because I can kind of see how he got that but I, I don't feel that's like obviously that's not what she meant but I feel like he heard what he wanted to hear as well he maybe wasn't listening fully yes it is fair that he got that notion from what she was saying because she's like you know I don't want to get married again I don't want to be tethered down you know he na- he naturally took it to a point where where his mindset was because he's like I don't want to get married again. It drives people away, which is why he was going for younger women. And that wasn't going well either because he didn't want to hear about any more TikTok dance challenges. He interpreted what he wanted to from this and say, like not seeing that she was on the diving board about to jump off into emotional outburst land. Because she says, no, like, I, I want a relationship. I want a, I want dinner. You know, I don't just I don't yeah. just want that, you know? And then she like completely breaks down in she still loves Charles you know, he doesn't understand why he was going for marriage when they hadn't even discussed it. Like, so I think I mentioned earlier that, you know, I felt there was an emotional release needed and that Liza was looking for that when she was talking to Maggie um, a couple of episodes ago. And this is the episode, I think, where that emotional release has finally happened. You know, yes, they've said it was no one's fault, but sometimes you need to have that sort of outlet to move past it. And I think this is what Liza got after this date. So maybe she can move past this now. I don't know. We'll see what happens in the next episode. But I think this was needed from from Liza just to help her understand her feelings and where she is with Charles and her feelings about him at the moment. You can only have good emotional stability for but so long because this is... It's this deep stuff. And, you know, this is a lot of what her happiness was, you know, wrapped up in for last year. So, yeah, I, I think that this was needed. And if she didn't do this, I'd be like, like, where are you at, really? Because there was a lot of triggers here. You know, she was at the party, right? So she was at the party where Charles was supposed to be with her and she had the brave face. And then now out to dinner with Vince and he's making some, you know, suggestions. And she's like, eh, that's no, that's not what I want. Where she was like fully confident that, you know, where she was, you know, with Charles not wanting to get married was where she thought that she wanted to be. But this other side of things like no I really don't want to be there I felt we definitely got a better understanding as to what both of their viewpoints are and why they aren't together at the moment 
but I feel like they need to have that conversation with each other as well because I don't know that they've necessarily had the conversation in that way with each other or have listened to each other clearly enough to understand what the other person is saying. Yeah, there's also been very little direct communication between these two. So so let's back up for just a second. So Lauren, at the beginning of this episode, finds out from page six, you know, the, the society pages, right, uh, that this is happening. And she races over to, to tell Liza what's going on. So I feel like Liza's in a really tough position. She has to work with Charles. She has to be hurt by the fact that their relationship ended and now Quinn being so much more in the picture. I'm glad that she's able to turn her heart into something productive. Like she's able to focus on her work and she takes on the mantle of fact-checking Quinn's book. Do you think that Liza feels that discrediting Quinn is going to be a way to break up Quinn and Charles? I think there is definitely something to that. I don't know if she would do it if it was anyone else. Her and Quinn have such a history as well. And also Quinn has just threatened her in her office as well i just think she will do anything to get queen out of her life and out of charles's life she does sort of like go into a frenzy about this when she goes to charles's offices afterwards and saying i think this needs to be fact-checked i'm willing to do it it's a very controversial author we need to make sure it's uh definitely correct she maybe is a, a bit over the top in how far she goes with this because I did like Kelsey's response after Quinn says, I'd really love your notes on the book. And Kelsey is like, you do not have to do this. You do not have to have anything to do with this. And the next moment, like, Liza's pulled the book out and it's got all the post-it notes and she's already done the notes and the checking and everything. And now she just wants to do the fact-checking to make sure it's for real. Yeah, I... <laughs> I can see why she's doing this. Now this information that she's found out, I feel she's in a difficult situation because I'm not sure that Charles will necessarily listen to her if it maybe came from someone else. But I think coming from Liza, I don't know he's going to take it that well. Yeah, because she's she's definitely not coming at this from a, a position of calm. She's, like you said, she's frenzied. But she also meets someone who agrees to be unscrupulous if she wanted to, to get back at Quinn. And he can see that Liza clearly doesn't like her either. Ultimately, everything that Liza's fact-checking ends up being being true, or at least, you know, being true to, to Quinn's point of view. So what do you think we're to make of all these validated fact-check experiences where Quinn is good and right? I mean, I'm as surprised. <laughs> it did seem a bit odd that given her uh, previous experiences that uh, she has actually written a truthful book. <laughs> but can I also just say, I really, really loved the former assistant's um, name that she gave him, Hand Aiden, was just <laughs> brilliant. I absolutely love that as a nickname. So, you know, there, there's clearly bits of Queen that I like, and that was definitely one of them. I'm honestly surprised that the fact-checking actually turned out to be correct. I thought that Liza would definitely find something. But maybe this is showing that she is trying to turn over a new leaf. The stories do paint her in a certain way, but I think at her core, she is a lonely person. She does not have the kind of relationships that Liza has 
with Maggie, with Kelsey, Lauren, and Josh that sustain her in a way that, you know, doesn't make her come off the way Quinn comes off. Quinn comes off as very brash and, you know, they say things like, here comes the titty twister. Like, it's just, there's just things about Quinn that you just don't like. You know, she she also just doesn't have friends and like, you know, some modeling behavior again. Like, Liza yeah. doesn't have a good married couple to model herself after. I don't think, like, I don't think Quinn has a lot of people to model after so that she just lives in her own world but yeah it sounds like she wasn't even close to her parents she mentions that you know it was not a great marriage that they had until recently it sounds like she didn't even really notice that she was lonely because she was successful and she was happy in what she was doing and maybe that is enough for her and no, it's not enough for me <laughs> but she's obviously looking for something else and we just have to understand what her motivations are so if, it, if it is the discount kennedy or she's really I can't even believe I'm saying this. Like, if she really wants to change. Yeah, I'm. my problem is I think what she's really looking for is she wants to be in politics. She wants to have the power that politics brings. And she's looking to achieve that. She's not really looking for friendship or a relationship. I feel like she's definitely looking more for power than anything else. Enough about Quinn. <laughs> we thought we moved on from Quinn. But let's move on to Maggie. Um, I really like that she's getting what seems to be her own storyline this season. I love that she was strutting around at this art auction and Josh being her wing woman. <laughs> that was awesome. The, the, two of them, the two of them looked amazing, to be honest. But I love that outfit that Maggie was wearing. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that she's going to be able to keep her secret now from the Dean? with uh, Camilla? I feel really bad for her because after the art auction and the next day she was speaking to Liza and she was like giddy like a schoolgirl when she was talking about Camilla and you know clearly was very interested in this amazing woman that she met and then to discover that it's uh, the Dean's wife. Camilla was kind of still flirty even when she got introduced in the office there so I feel like it's going to be discovered but I'm not sure it's going to be Maggie that causes this discovery. I feel like it's going to be Camilla does something to cause a discovery. I just can't see it going any other way to be honest. I feel really sad for Maggie because she was, like I said, clearly infatuated with this woman and now she's kind of off limits and she felt the well, just looking at her expression when she discovered who this woman was, she was clearly uncomfortable with the situation. We do have to mention that the, the dean of the art school is Janine Garofalo. Who I loved from Reality Bites. <laughs> yes! So she's making a recurring starring role. The actress who plays Camilla is Kelly Barrett and she's a Broadway actress. Oh, so, I didn't realize that. Yeah, she was in Anastasia. She was in a bunch of things. So um, so I like that uh, I like that Jeannie Garofalo is, is here. She looks fantastic. <laughs> I almost didn't recognize her, but it was her voice. I was like, I know that voice. And when I saw her name at the credits, I'm like, how did I not know it was her originally? But I think I haven't really seen her in much since, I think, Reality Bites and The Truth About Cats and Dogs. And I I'm sure she's done a lot of work since then. I just maybe haven't seen it. Yeah, she's been in like TV shows and things like that, but not really kind of front and center. But yeah, this is a great, it's a great fit for her. She looks amazing. And I was just, I love her as an actress. So I can't wait to see her in this show. <laughs> so one of the other main things that happens in this show, we always say is the relationships between the girls. And we see a new one forming in this episode with Claire, Kelsey and Lauren going out to brunch. 
after Claire and her real estate agent boyfriend break up. Now, I thought it was really sweet that Kelsey offered to organise this lunch for Claire. They don't really need to have a relationship. She's only in the picture because of Josh and Josh is their flatmate. But, you know, do you see this as becoming a new sort of friendship group with Claire in it? You know, I like the fact that they are extending their circle to include Claire. She's always looked very put together and very independent. So I like the fact that they're recognizing that she's hurting a little bit. They want her to be included. You know, anytime you break up with anybody, it's not really easy. So and she's, you know, she's from another country. She doesn't maybe have a wide network, a wide support system. But you have some experience like, you know, living overseas and making friends, right? Yeah. So I've done it twice now. So I lived in the US for six months on the student exchange. And in that time, I made one close friend because it's difficult to get to know people. You may have a common language, but the cultures are so different that how I interpret things when people were speaking to me was very different to how they felt. So I remember being in Indiana and everyone felt really friendly and nice, but I realized it was very much a surface friendliness, which in Australia, the way we're behaving would be as if you're closer friends. So it was a bit disconcerting to me, but I ended up with one close friend out of that time. And then in the UK, um, when I lived there, initially a lot of my friends were other Australians and other travelers, and it probably took me a good three or four years before I really got some English friends. And part of that is they're a little bit more reserved. They're a little bit more cautious in making close connections. And also, I think they're kind of sick of Australians coming over and then just leaving again. So they're always a bit cautious initially until you stick around for a while. So, you know, I, I know how hard it is to make new friends in another country. And I'm sure Claire has had the same situations happen to her but she's also a mum with a young baby and that in itself can also be quite isolating and make it difficult to make friends as well so it was nice to see them sort of offer that friendship to her I thought it was uh, a really nice gesture of Kelsey and uh, Lauren to do. As you get older it gets harder to make friends just as it is right so you and I have been friends from uni because I did a student exchange and you all adopted me. We had lots of drinking together that helped a lot. Yeah lots of bonding and you know and again like it comes back down to this like adult baggage you know you when you're younger you have more time and bandwidth for for friends and for making friends so you know 20 something years later you know we're all still friends but you also have to make the effort but also like there's this element of Claire up until this episode that I didn't like about her. She used Liza's secret and her relationship with Josh to her advantage when her and Josh were getting married. I don't like how she sprung things on Josh, both with the pregnancy and with Rob, you know, introducing him moments before they step on a plane to go to Ireland without him with his daughter. So I think as much as I don't want to see anybody suffering, I think this little bit of humble pie that Claire is experiencing is also part of the reason that she's being adopted by Kelsey and and Lauren. Like there's this this human side of her now that, you know, she, hmm, this can't be easy for her. But I am a bit over these like mature breakups. So, you know, with Charles and Liza, they'll both, oh, it's no one's fault. It just is what it is. We have different ideas. And the same with Claire. She's like, well, we're just in different places in our life and it's just not working. And I'm sorry, I'm just not that mature maybe, but... (laughs) I no. I just don't understand these like mature breakups. I just feel like I need that. I need that venting with friends or something to sort of get past it. <laughs> 
alcohol. That's, that's why, like, you know, going to brunch is a good thing. Brunch is my favorite meal of the week. Day drinking is always good. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Cures all ills, causes some, but cures others. <laughs> But I did like with Josh and Claire right at the beginning of the episode how he offered to be a shoulder to cry on in a way for Claire. It was nice to see their relationship. They're there for their daughter, but they're also there for each other. I thought that was also quite a nice side to see of the two of them. Yeah, talking about mature breakups, these two, Josh and Claire, you know, I'm going to propose divorce. Yes, but they took a while to get to that point you know their actual breakup was not that mature (laughs) no definitely not but like where they're at now and obviously they have a child so they do have to be a little bit on the mature side for that so um i like where they're at i think that this is a good example of a relationship that your exes you have a history but you can be supportive you can be good friends and i think that's really like where they're at right now i think that they're just supporting each other the best way that they can and i just like where they're at right now these two it's uh nice to see them in a good place um so the other main thing with josh this episode we didn't see him a lot in this episode we saw him briefly at the beginning with claire and then at the art auction with maggie but then he was heading to philly to see kt the woman who runs from babies I'm assuming she doesn't know about Gemma yet. I was actually surprised that he is pursuing this. Uh, It felt last episode that that was a really big turnoff for him when she said, you know, I run from babies and he was just like, oh, I guess he's just maybe going to see where it goes to see if she's worth telling about Gemma. But, you know, heading to heading to Philly on the, the train is, you know a commitment it's an hour and a half each way that's what i was thinking you know like it's a bit of a commitment to travel to meet up with someone and they don't know that you're a father and clearly are not interested in having children at this time in their life not sure i see a long-term relationship coming here but who knows like I said, I think he's just trying to see where it goes because, you know, he's got to be he's got to be a little picky and choosy about who he brings into his daughter's life. I think he was just really shocked with what Claire did to him about Rob, you know, not telling him at all and, you know, springing it on him. So I think he's trying to do things a little bit differently. And Claire obviously also had Rob introduce to Gemma quite early on as well. So maybe he also didn't like the fact that Claire just introduced this random person to his daughter pretty early on in their relationship kids are funny like that they make a they make attachments to people and then if it's something that's not serious like there's loss even if they're they're small like they just like people they like you then they like you so you just got to be you know when you have a little kid you just got to be a little bit more careful about who you introduce into their lives i do feel there was uh be some meditations for maggie that we needed to add for tonight I agree. So in addition to having her main storyline sort of taking up a bit of space here, she definitely had, I feel, a couple of moments where her wisdom really shone through. I like when she checks Lauren's problem-solving ability and getting Liza a waiter slash date to uh, grope-a-dope her, asking if they're waiters or sex workers. And yes, they are. Yes, they are. (laughs) I really love that interaction as well. I just thought that was hilarious. (laughs) The actual meditation with Maggie today, I think, is when Liza and Maggie are talking of, well, Maggie gushing about her previous night right with camilla yes so this is the, the we'll play this clip here well i mean you had a great night too you're the text hot dad um maybe i mean it was fun seeing him and nice to know that a crush was reciprocated sometimes that's enough really that's enough now i don't know anything anymore maggie well i got something that might be able to help with that my trick left me a little tree i don't know what it does but it's french and it's pink 
Well, it's 8 a.m. It's a little early for recreational drugs, and I can't. I have to fact-check Quinn's book. Fact-check? You know, I really don't understand your job. <sighs> Neither do I. So what's Maggie trying to say to Liza here about Liza kind of dodging the question about calling hot dad? Liza's in denial that she really wants to talk to this guy again, but she's just like, oh, it's just nice to know a crush from ages ago was reciprocated. And, you know, I don't, clearly that's not enough. She wants something more than that. But Maggie's the one that's sort of like, really, a text message, that's enough for you? Like, Clearly, it's not. <laughs> She's seeing Liza in a way that Liza doesn't even want to see herself. Maggie's trying to acknowledge to Liza, you're still hurt, right? And you're going to need to put yourself out there to, you know, get yourself over Charles. And you're not going to do that sitting on the couch, you know, looking at a text message. You need to call. You need to go out. And I just like the fact that she's gently prodding her and not saying, hey, you need to go on a date with him. But she's like, is that enough? Really? It's yeah. just, it's, it's her style. It's so subtle. It's what you need to hear in that moment. Like, even, I go back to when she even spoke to Charles. Like, she really didn't, she didn't chastise him for breaking up with Liza. She was just like... It was a technicality. Yeah, like on a technicality. Like, you might have misread the situation. She's gentle in her criticism. And yeah. I think that's a finesse that a lot of us don't have. And she also doesn't go on and on and on about it. She says the thing once and then she leaves it with them to think about. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, we come back to her so often because she does have these little poignant moments. I mean, sometimes, like, big plot points hinge upon her little meditations here. You know, she checks in on her friends with their mental well-being. So I I like the fact that we highlight these because she is so fun. And right now she's filling a big Diana void. We've gotten five episodes already, Emma. And I'm like... Still no Diana. In fairness, there is a lot missing this season you know, as as we sort of wrap up this episode. I'm going to be harsh for a second. I think it's a mistake to not have Diana up until this point. I agree. I think I never realized, I mean, I've always loved Diana as a character, but I don't think I realized quite how much she brought to the show until she was missing. She is a big void. And as much as they've expanded Lauren's role a bit, it's not the same. It's a very different energy. It's a different vibe. I'm missing Diana so much made with it as much as I hate to say it because it would have made the show wait longer but I kind of wish they could have waited to make sure Diana could really be in the series again because it doesn't feel the same without her. I agree you know I was reading some of the message boards and the Facebook groups and they were you know that's a really big criticism and you know, we've been talking about it for five, five, five episodes now. And going back to even our season six recap, Diana factors in so much. Yes, there has been this Lauren expansion and I love it, but it didn't have to be at the expense of Diana. And I know it's a tricky situation for the production, given the global events that have been happening. But yeah, I feel like that maybe there was a better way that they could have worked Diana in even more like a video call or something like I was going to say like you and I are in opposite time you know time zones like you're 14 hours it's it's already almost Wednesday where you are and it's just Tuesday morning here for me so you know there are ways with technology to you know you know circumvent some of the global activities and things like that all right that's my that's my complaint so far no, I agree with you on that complaint. Sad note to end the podcast on, but yeah, I wish Diana was in in the series more, definitely. Hopefully we'll see her soon. I mean, she is meant to be in it at some point. Hopefully we'll see her in an episode soon. All right.
right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of another episode of Heller Good, the Younger Podcast. This is Sheila. And this is Emma. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you could head on over to where you got your podcast from to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. It definitely helps other people find the show so they can get as much enjoyment out of it that you do. And you can also find Pod Clubhouse on all the things. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Pod Clubhouse. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.